0: On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Elise Michaels. Elise is a men's mental health coach. She helps men find their purpose and their passion by healing their subconscious trauma. She's worked with hundreds of men to deep dive into root causes and rewire neural pathways to amend old habits and change old behaviours. Elise Michaels, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on my show, the Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast. We've been connected and friends for the last couple of years. You've done some coaching for me. Uh, We've done some stuff together. For those that don't know you and you've got a big following, tell the audience um, what you do and then we'll take it from there. And who you are. Well,
1: well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. As you said, we've known each other for a couple years now just via social media and how things have changed. Um, But we became acquainted because I am a men's mental health coach. For those of you who don't know me, for the last two and a half years, I've been guiding men through a trauma-informed container, helping them assess the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational aspects of their lives to become better fathers, spouses, and men. And so... Here we are, two and a half years later, still building the empire, stronger than ever, and uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life.
0: I mean, I, I love what you're doing. I, th- I think, um, as we both know, and a lot of people know, that men tend to kind of shy away from their feelings, and I think, I think there's not—I don't think there's many of you around, which I quite like. We'll delve into that a little bit more deeper, but I want to get to know more about what you do specifically, but also you as a human being. So I, I ask my guests all this if you can go back almost as far as school, you know, paint us a picture of your life and your journey and any kind of adversity.
1: Uh Well, it's very interesting that you would ask that because no one ever gets deep into these questions. So I always kind of skirt, you know, I always kind of skirt over my own life and just say I had a dysfunctional childhood, but if you want to dive a little bit deeper into it, um, which is what you're asking,
0: really?
1: I had a pretty dysfunctional childhood. There was, not any like physical abuse or anything like that, but two parents who were unwell as far as, you know, knowing their behaviors, knowing how to regulate, two people just in survival mode and completely opposites, not compatible with each other. And um, as children, you suffer the consequences of your parents' inability to communicate correctly, to self-regulate. And you develop your own survival mechanisms and behaviors based on that. So that's why I take all my clients back. It's not like, hey, just tell me your worst memory, your relationship with your parents. It's understanding the patterns and habits and behaviors that are created just based on how do I receive love? How do I receive validation and acknowledgement from this environment Mm -hmm. I'm growing up in? So um, parents divorced at a very young age that didn't really have an impact, but my dad Both of my parents were in and out of jail, which, um, I didn't realize at the time because they were trying to hide it from me, but there were absences from both of them at different periods of time where I couldn't talk to them. I didn't know where they went and that left a huge mark on me. I've never talked about any of this stuff before, so it's very interesting. I don't know how deep you want to get into this. Oh,
0: this is just (laughs) the beginning.
1: (laughs) Um, so yeah, just a result of, of that type of lifestyle, um, becoming like my parents becoming bankrupt losing the house uh, moving into a very small apartment and um, but I was just like a happy kid I didn't know anything else but I was very very self-sufficient because of all this because no one has time to pay attention I'm middle child no one's trying to pay attention the middle child when all this chaos is going on right so that was like the foundation of my life
0: um, so, I mean, that resonates with me quite a lot. I mean, I I put a post that recently about being abandoned um, and kind of almost having to be a parent myself at the age of three, and it feels like from a very young age you were kind of you had to adopt that kind of skill set,
1: <laughs> right? So, yeah.
0: How how has that played out? Because it, uh, uh, for me, it turned me into a bit of a people pleaser and putting other people first. And I think by the very nature of what you're doing, you become master at kind of that because you've gone through it yourself, but what's the obvious negatives are, you know, there's, there's going to be some trauma and abandonment issues, and but in terms of, um, putting yourself first and not having a parent, how is that, how has that affected you? All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, So I love that question. So obviously I, I became hyper independent in the way of, you know, feminine taking on the masculine, right? Like yes. I'm going to work myself. I got this, I, you know, traveling right. everywhere. Um, So I didn't necessarily feel like I was a people pleaser until I started learning these tools and got into a relationship where I realized that once I'm in relationship, that is when all of those tendencies for me would come out. I would change myself for the other person because I didn't want them to leave. I didn't want to give them a reason to feel like um, because I wanted to be the favorite. I have this need to be the favorite because I was so looked over by my sibling (laughs) like my parents would you know, look at my siblings instead of me, or I just, I just felt like I wasn't important enough to be paid attention to. (laughs) This is kind of like crazy to like, just bring this up in the open. So in relationship, I just like wanted to do everything I possibly could to be the favorite. So it was really developed into a codependency type of thing where it's just like, I would do everything I could like, I would do the dishes and the laundry and I'm like, Oh, I'm mm. chill. I'm the chill person. I don't have needs, but like what you're doing is you're really self-abandoning. You're not putting Ooh. yourself first. You're not putting your own needs first. So to the outside world, I'm like, yeah, I'm independent. I don't need anybody and I'm good. And I did all these things that I wanted to yeah. do. But once I got in relationship, it was like a total flip.
0: But before well, that's, that's bad enough. But before that, because of the way you've been wired to think and feel well, from my point of view, that was very similar, but I attracted the wrong person in the first place. So kind of the person I attracted, it led to that anyway, because I, I only felt I was worthy of that kind of situation. Right? Was that the same for you?
1: Well, absolutely. We always attract um, what our behaviors dem- like are demonstrating, mm-hmm. right? So um, our relationships were, were totally different, the way that they played out. But my partner during that time was a perfect person who needed li- like a mother, right so I was doing all of the motherly things and they had you know receded into their feminine just being taken care of so they didn't see a problem with it because that was what they were used to right
0: Mm. so
1: of course we attract the perfect partner for us
0: you mentioned that you didn't feel you were kind of a happy-go-lucky kid but you kind of now you know exactly what you went through and you're probably still learning healing and you know uh, adapting to that but I I felt very inferior, but I kind of, I didn't know any different. Can you sort of remember kind of any kind of feelings of uh, anxiety or mental health problems or challenges or just feeling different? Because it must have affected you back then. Maybe you didn't know, but maybe you did know subconsciously, don't know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I was totally depressed, but like, I just thought that's how it was. I just thought I was a sad person and I would journal a lot. Um, You know, it's funny because... I don't have basically any like relics from my childhood. A few years ago, I found a journal that I'd written from like sixth grade all the way to senior year. And I threw it away because it was so painful. Like everything that I was writing about when I was young was just pain. Like parents Mm. not showing up for my birthday or like, you know, just, it just was like sad. Um, but like my personality naturally is to, it's like a golden retriever, right? It's to be happy. It's to be go lucky. So like there was one part of me that was always happy, but there was one part of me that was always very alone and felt very abandoned and very sad. But I just thought mm-hmm. that's like, that was me.
0: Yeah. How, how did that affect your like I know mean, you touched on like, relationships in terms of what about confidence and I, I, maybe very shy, actually. What, what about you?
1: Uh, I, I appeared to be very confident. Like I didn't really care what anybody thought, but it was like, I love myself. I hate myself. So I, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, I didn't feel like I looked good. I didn't feel like my body was good enough. I didn't feel like I was really good enough, but I just put on this persona of, I don't care.
0: Yeah. Because you you had nobody to kind of nurture you. Nobody to kind of like, there was no consistency, no kind of Routine, and you didn't know what was good or bad, right? I guess,
1: right? It's very odd to like hear this displayed back to me because I've never talked about this stuff before. So, in a way, you're almost like kind of validating my experience, even though you didn't know exactly what went on, which is very interesting.
0: Is that that a good thing? You're comfortable with that, or not?
1: (laughs) It's just an interesting experience to have, you know, when you do this work, you are constantly the validator, and I'm sure that you get this a lot if you're a lot of people listening to this I'm sure are the person that people go to but like I literally get paid for this and that I've trained for this and these are the tools and you're not my therapist but just me talking about this in general and having you validate it back as a normal person is just interesting
0: yeah I think it's because I've been through a similar thing before and what I wouldn't do is rescue anybody you know that's not helpful either but I I can I can just feel and see what that's like and I think you're you know you've it's a bizarre thing as a coach, as coaches, you know, you, you, if we, if we heeded half the advice we gave out, we'd be laughing. And so sometimes it's, I think I've got my own coach. I, mean, I think you said you've got your own coach. I mean, we've got to talk about these things, right? Otherwise, you know, we, we, we all go pop, all human beings, right?
1: Mm. Well, I think it's also important to talk about too, because I've never talked about this stuff, not because like, I don't want to, but just because I maybe found it irrelevant. But the reason why I'm opening up so much now is because mm. I think it's important for people to know at a certain point, like that a, they're not yeah. alone, but B, that like, there's a lot of stigma around therapists who have other therapists and their lives are messed yeah. up. And why would you go to a therapist like that? But there's a lot of evidence and experience.
0: Of course, when you say relevant, though, that's an interesting one. You say it's relevant. I think it's, it's super relevant. I mean, it's super powerful and, and it's super resonating.
1: I don't know. I just felt, maybe I just feel like it's not about me when I'm, I'm trying to communicate to the audience. I just really yeah. want to focus. But maybe that's just part of me growing up. It's not about me it's trying not, to adapt to yeah. the audience, right?
0: Well, I think, I think it's not for me to judge or psychoanalyze it. But actually, um, uh, the stuff you've gone through is, can really help other people. And I, th- I, think that, I think that's part of the reason why like, people ask me, why am I so open online? It's not, uh, I th- I, this is going to sound a little bit, I know it's my podcast, I'm talking to you, but I do want to go down this road a little bit. I, I do believe we've got each individual has certain gifts, and there's a duty to kind of for me, there's a duty of me to kind of share and teach and guide people. I, I don't mean that in an egotistical way, I just feel that like, there's a calling for me there. I don't, I don't, I don't wake up one day, one day and go, Right, I'm going to share my life. I, it just kind of, I just feel as if I need to do that because it, it actually helps me. And I do believe the more people that do that kind of thing, because I think, I think everyone not everyone a lot of people in this world are going through day to day week to week not even knowing why the fuck they're doing what they're doing there's no purpose there's no substance and I think I think it's really important to encourage this kind of stuff personally so that's just my view
1: yeah well absolutely well you're the first person who's asked me to dive into it so I'm open but it's very interesting <laughs> to do yeah
0: yeah I I, I always think that you can't really go forward you need to go back before you go forward but once you've done that you've got to then create a new chapter in your life so just i mean kind of let, let's carry on the jane as you've talked about kind of your, your childhood so what age uh, did your parents get divorced and what other stuff happened to, to lead you up to what you're doing now it's a long way to go yet <laughs>
1: um well they got married when i was in first grade and divorced probably when i was in third grade right. and there was a huge catalyst that caused that that i um am not willing to reveal to the internet uh just for protection of my parents oh. um but I did not start my healing journey truly until I turned 25, I think I'd always been into personal um, development and self help, but like more along business, I was so focused on how can I make money? How can I do a business, you know, because I grew up with like this frugal lifestyle because my parents lost everything. Um And I just didn't want to live that life. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to do something important because I wanted to be the favorite, right? I want all the attention. (laughs) And uh, so my whole life was just like focused on self-improvement. But like the mental aspect for me was like when I was 25 and I had um, gotten, like I'd lost a relationship that was really important to me. And I said, okay, I cannot keep repeating these same cycles. I don't know what the cycles are, but like, let me dive into this. And that's when I got my therapist and she was very helpful. She's still my therapist today, but it didn't solve everything. And that's when I dove into Mm. the mental self-help courses like neuroscience, RBT, relationship science, trauma therapy, and started to recognize within myself, oh my God, there's a system. You can solve this with a system. My logic brain was like, this is amazing. And if I can do this for myself, I have to do it for other people. Like you said, it's a duty. Now that I know how to evade pain for years, like why not share that with others? And so- Hmm. that's when I uh the, everything changed for me
0: Um why men specifically
1: uh well they, they reached out to me
0: so you was, asked, men were coming to you and then you built it from from that kind of
1: yes that that's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand I just didn't see men and target them I was targeting women actually posting videos mm-hmm. on LinkedIn I didn't name women specifically but I was posting about ideas and realizations and and teaching things and only men were the ones reaching out to me. And I realized, oh my God, they, they really don't have someone to serve them a lot when it comes to mental health. And I was like, should I be that person? I don't know. I was very hesitant for like six months. Only my clients were men. And then I finally just said, Hey, I'm going to be a men's coach. I'm going to study how they think I'm going to study how they learn. I'm going to develop a system for them specifically because women have enough support and I'm just going to be this doorway um, and it was the best decision ever.
0: It's great. I think this, this is, I'll try not to sound too controversial. And I, I, you know, I, I'm a big advocate of women. I back women, you know, I I, I don't stand for any misogyny and people know that, but also I would call, um I call people out as well. I, I think there's a huge misconception and misunderstanding and some injustices for men that are swept under the carpet. And I think sometimes women can jump on a bandwagon about men and we do have the rough end of the deal as well and things like parental alienation things like mental health and well-being and i, I want to get your lens around feminism and toxic positivity and just to the stuff around I, I i do think men get a hard bargain but it's portrayed as it's the women and i, I think i think there's more to it
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and you can be as controversial with me as you want, because I (laughs) think that there's so much to each side, right? And it's stuff that we have to dive into. I totally agree with you. And that's, you know, like, the more I am a men's coach, the more I see the, the unfairness in certain situations in, like you said, in custody and child support. And, and I'm really glad that you brought this up at this time, because in the United States recently, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Wow. and it was
0: we we had it over here well we obviously we're big over here but massive where you are obviously yeah
1: yeah yeah but the thing with that is i think a lot of men who support that do not understand how it is going to negatively mm. impact men mm. because we're already at this stage where we feel an imbalance of support for men right yeah. And we're going into this wave where it is more acceptable for men to be sharing their emotions and and being understood. And just as we're warming up to that, this this bill gets overturned where women's bodily autonomy is taken away. Mm. And where do you think all that rage is going to be pointed towards? Women are not going to turn against other women. (laughs) Women are going to, it's going to perpetuate this current unfair hatred towards men. Not all men pass that law over. But now it is like, oh my God, our rights are being taken away from us again and decided by someone who's not a woman. How unfair is this? And men don't understand. It's also going to perpetuate if women cannot choose to have an abortion. Guess what that means? More fathers who don't want to be fathers, more forced fathers who have to pay forced child support, more depressed men, male suicide rate is already at three fourths. What do you think is going to be now? It's going to be four out of four, right? And also the things that, sorry, I'm just going off on a red oh, page with this because it's, it's like so upsetting. It's like so upsetting as a woman Um, and having had this experience, thank God I was there during a time that I was able to make this choice for myself. And I cannot imagine, um, you know, like like being raped or having an ectopic pregnancy and being forced to like, you know, you can die from an ectopic pregnancy where the, the egg gets stuck in the fallopian tubes and they don't even have like, you know, okay's for you to get an abortion for that. It's just like so sad and so wrong on so many levels. And so the fact that if you get pregnant by accident, when when it happened to me, my birth control failed because I had okay. used the Diva Cup. I didn't know it would move the IUD. So I was trying to be safe. It wasn't just like a hey crazy moment thing. And that's what people will jump yeah. to. They oh, you should keep your legs closed. Blah blah blah. Yeah, Um, and always blaming the woman, right? It's always my yeah. fault or not my fault, but a woman's fault, right? So anyway. You think about that concept that now, even if you're prepared and an accident happens, Mm. you cannot um, go back on that decision, which is awful. Um, How many women do you think are going to want to sleep with men now casually? Men already complain a lot about not getting enough sex. Do you think that anybody is going to, you know, like imagine that just as a very basic concept. I mean, and I, the well, suspicion and the hatred—like it's just crazy to me that
0: it's—it's yeah. it's
1: just exasperated.
0: It's so controversial; it leads me. To, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it leads me to believe there must be. I mean, it's—it's it's just so. I, I'm one of these people that there's there no be,
1: reason why it would be overturned. I'm totally agreeing with you.
0: They're doing it for a reason, right? To create a divide, and there's a bigger, bigger thing at play. I think. <laughs>
1: divide it's crazy it's like yes. why why would this thing out of anything and i know like i'm gonna go into the conspiracy theories with you no, just go the it. I like this. Let's,
0: let's do it
1: <laughs> because this this upset me so much i'm like because um and this might turn so many people off i don't know but i'm not vaccinated and I'm i not, chose not to get nor vaccinated nor okay so here we go and this is it. what we were saying you know I'm a, i was in florida thank god for this also during both of these things that happened in my life yeah yeah, yeah. um people were chanting about bodily autonomy like we should be able to decide you know there are religious excuses for other vaccinations mm-hmm. that you can't get and then this was all of a sudden forced but then yeah. then when this comes it's like you know and so like this is what we said during the mass thing is like they're gonna continue taking yeah. away our rights and people were Just like so no y'all. they're not they're not gonna yeah. it's not gonna happen and look at what's happening look at what's happening everybody who voted for the vaccination to go through are the ones who are upset about the abortion thing
0: Same thing and i think i mean they they, they try to control they've always tried to control us, but they're up in the ante and there's a bigger thing at play without a shadow of doubt and that's why that's why you know the school system you know getting a job going to university getting married is seen as success and actually you, you you have to play your own game you can't and it's very difficult and i think i'm actually worried about the future without being too doom and gloom i think you you know, we've got to kind of, we've got to stand up for our rights a bit more and just and see the bigger picture.
1: Absolutely. No, and this is totally scary. The fact that this law has been overturned is just very, very... Mm. scary because next, what's next you know exactly exactly what's next and and this is what we were trying to say during the mask era we were saying like what's next you can't even imagine like this is how it starts little by little this is how it starts and and they make you believe that you're an awful bad person yeah. and now it's like covid just basically freaking disappeared didn't it yeah it overnight. disappeared didn't it yeah. now all the rules are going away look at it look yeah. at where are the booster shots now where's all the hype now it's like so well stupid. it seems to, it
0: seems to be coming back in this country but also you know there, there's the war there's, there's the cryptocurrency the food prices the petrol prices they're, they're making yeah. life impossible for us
1: yeah and like patrick bet david said the the definition of a recession is like two quarters behind or something so he said what was it like july 1st or july 2nd the recession has officially started and mm. You know, it's not to like go into like an apocalypse fear mentality, but like people need to wake up and be be aware yeah, it's yeah. of like the bigger picture that we need to break out of the matrix, right? Yeah. Stop believing just at face value what everything is said and, and question everything and be open to everything and, and protect yourself,
0: yeah I think, I think I think it takes a certain type of person to do that that's, that's that's like being curious I think that's also going back to kind of the stuff that you do I think I think as well in, in order to grow you have to be curious you have to lean into your And we were talking off air before about anxiety and all that kind of stuff and um, talk to us about kind of the, the, the specific stuff you do with men then is, is it more kind of like um, dealing with uh, lack of purpose anxiety and what sort of situations have you come up against because uh, you know uh, uh, you know men traditionally are hard to get anything out of, aren't they? Well, they tend to be anyway.
1: Um, you could say that. The, me- the men who come to me, I think I've created a, a safe space enough where it's-, it's just a safe space. So easily they are able to open up and kind of talk about things. Um, I, no- I notice that there are common patterns with men about what they struggle with. And because of the lack of acceptance around emotions and Ooh. personal desire... There's a lot of disconnect from self and disconnect from true relationships. So that means a lot of the life is based on external validation and achievement. What kind of car do I have? Education, job, title, money. Yes. Um, and when all of that is fulfilled at about 40 years old, right? That's when we hit the midlife crisis. They realize I'm disconnected from my wife. I'm disconnected from my children. I'm disconnected from my purpose. I don't know who I am anymore. I did all this Mm -hmm. stuff and I thought my life was supposed to be good and perfect, but I don't know who I am. And so really it's kind of about where are you at right now? Ideally, where Mm -hmm. would you like to be at or where would you like to go? How would you like to feel? And then we analyze like the behaviors that got us there and, and change them. And now, you know, after two and a half years, I was talking about a lot of the same things. But now it's also guiding men through a more spiritual container. So understanding energetics, understanding, you know, um, like manifestation and abundance and uh, just channeling. And it might sound woo-woo for me to like talk about channeling all. stuff. But thought... the, the, <laughs> this the, the, is
0: all. Also... Go, on, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that the truth is, as human beings, we... we... At male and female we all we both have masculine and feminine energy right and actually I've, mm-hmm. I've noticed a real shift in in women coming forward and showing their masculine energy and actually um if anything when women shows show masculine energy they're powerful as anything and i, th- I think i think it's striking that right balance and with a male as well having that feminine energy i think i think there's um an interesting change in society actually um, with equality and equity and all that kind of stuff. And um, actually women can be very um, powerful, just as powerful as men in a different way. Um, but also a man showing his feminine energy that can be powerful as well. Right.
1: Right. But I'm really glad that you brought that up because the way that women are coming into their masculine energy now, and the way that men are coming into their feminine energy now is actually showing a total imbalance hmm. because Um, divine feminine energy is powerful. Yes. And But what women are doing now is we are leaning into our masculine. And when women lean into their masculine, it's out of pure survival. It's out of pure defense. It's out of pure protection. And now more than ever, women are going to go completely into their masculine, which doesn't allow for expression of the feminine, Mm. which... You might not see as a bad thing from the outside because you're like, yeah, women are the CEOs and they're um, the leaders and whatever, but they're not doing it from a place of the feminine. They're doing it from a place of the masculine, which will burn them out. And it burns men out, too, because the men who are not in their balance of divine, masculine, feminine will be pushed into their feminine and then they will feel weak. They will not be in their purpose. You know, so it's like we're in total imbalance and it's because of all the chaos going on in society right now doesn't allow for just natural expression. Right. So we're being divided and it's pushing females into the and it's just this this whole way thing pushes us way into the masculine it's just survival mode it doesn't allow for love it doesn't allow for creation it pushes men away and it says oh we can like take over the world by ourselves which is completely untrue and it's just all based out of fear
0: I, th- I think I are spot on. I think our true potential, I think as human beings, we only get to really allow, we're only allowed to use 10, 15, 20% of our real potential because I think we're suppressed, we're conditioned, we're indoctrinated to, do, to be certain people. And it's fascinating. When you when you kind of see that and relinquish it, when you start to tune in, you talked about spirituality as well. I'm, I'm not particularly religious, but Last couple of years, I've really tuned into my spirituality, done some praying and gratitude, the universe, and kind of tapping into that kind of stuff. I don't care if people think it's woo woo; it's, it's true for me. I think when you start to look inward and you find that, you realize, fuck, there is a lot of power out there that you can actually tap into, and that's when it gets really exciting. And when that, when I do that, when all the shits going on in the world, it makes me feel actually there is something higher than this, and that that, that does to help me personally. Too.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that you said that too, because at another level of of spiritual like enlightenment let's just say you start to understand things in a way that sounds crazy in the logical sense because when you're in the human 3d you panic you're like Mm. the world is falling to shit everything's chaos this is so wrong it needs to be this way and you're very divisive and you're very polarizing and you see things as good or bad right or wrong when you dive into yourself into your knowing there the world doesn't have a moralistic code of good versus bad the world consciousness seeks to express itself and experience itself in every facet. So there is no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. Things just are. And you see that everything has its divine part to play. So even though we are very polarizing right now, and it may seem chaotic, it is happening for a greater shift that we might not know where it's going, but it's shifting and it's an experience and it's happening. And to be, stressed about it doesn't actually do anything for you um but fi- finding yourself and finding your own peace and your truth within the chaos that's going on helps to light a candle in whatever darkness is around you
0: yeah on the darkness point what's been your darkest moment in your life
1: i've had so many <laughs> i don't know if i could pinpoint one darkness mo- that might sound like really I don't know, negative to some people, but just like looking at the reality, I've had a lot of m- low moments in my life. Um, you know, I've attempted suicide multiple times in my life. And I don't, I don't know if I even see those as the lowest moments. Um,
0: talk to me about one of those and why, and then talk to me about the lowest moments. You can't just dismiss that.
1: Um, I don't know, because I think that there is a lot, I just want to say, I feel like there's a lot of misconception about... Suicide, at least for me, it's not like you are so sad for me, it wasn't like, I was just so sad and so depressed and, and things like that. It's only you get to this point where you feel like my purpose on this earth is nothing. And I don't feel like I'm contributing and I don't feel connected to anyone and I don't feel like anyone would miss me. In fact, I feel like they'd be better off without me and I'm tired of kind of doing this. What's the point? And it feels very logical, actually. It doesn't feel like sad, oh my God, I hate myself. It feels mm. just logical, like this is a natural ending point when a relief, lot of people- like a
0: relief almost, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do get relieved because you feel like, Oh my God, finally, like I just, you're like, what's the point of dealing with this? It's like, so useless. If nobody's benefiting and I'm not benefiting, then like, what's yeah. the point? Right. So that's why I don't see it. as like one of my lowest points because obviously it didn't happen. Um, but I'll go ask your question.
0: On, on, on that point. I mean, I, I talked about my own suicide attempts and I, I think you're right. It, you know, you do. You, it's the problem I've got with people judge judging people who, have su- suicidal thoughts or suicidal ide- ideation is that i got a lot of flack when i first did it a couple of years ago they said you've got kids how can you be so selfish but you yeah, don't say know- how can you
1: be so selfish
0: don't know what it's like this it's, it's, it's not selfish at all it's, it's it's very hard to explain isn't it but do you want to try
1: yeah you it, it's like it really makes me angry when i i actually um fought with a counselor not a counselor, like my physical health ed teacher in ninth grade about this. I debated with him because he said, it's really selfish thing to do. And I said, no, it's not. And he's like, yes, it is. It's very selfish. You leave everyone behind. I'm like, it's selfish to say you need to stay here because when you're gone, I'm going to be in pain. That to me sounds selfish when you're in a suicidal mindset or like when we've experienced it, you're not thinking, Hey, I want to cause everybody pain. You're thinking by me going, it's going to be better for everybody. I am a burden. I am a burden on this earth. I'm a dark spot. Because even if you don't feel like what you're doing is a burden, you know that your energy is so dark, it creates yeah. a cloud. You, you know this and you're like, this is my attempt to do something good for everybody else. And this isn't yeah. condoning suicide. I don't want anybody to no. think that. That's not. Yeah. If you're feeling suicidal, this is not permission. This is like saying we understand how you feel. And also there's a much brighter side to the to the other side of this.
0: 100%. Well, you know, I'm touched that you you sort of mentioned that. It's not an easy thing to say. And, you know, I think people will get strength from that. And, um, but you talked about other dark moments. Whilst we're on the dark subject, what what other dark moments have you had?
1: Well, I'm going to be honest, like <laughs> out of all the, the dark moments in my life, and I think this is kind of funny, so I'm laughing is like, it wasn't like, my parents going to jail or, you know, things like that. It's really like um, endings of relationships that I thought were going to be my forevers or that I had put so much of myself into. I think that those are deaths you experience when you're alive and when you're so young too. It sounds like so childish to say that, but like heartache for me is like one of the hardest things for me to deal with. It's so painful.
0: Sure, sure. What do you think that is?
1: Probably just because in this lifetime, that's something I need to learn how to transmute. And just my, you know, um, as as you had mentioned, like as a child, I never had consistent flow of love. I never had like a dedicated person. I always felt alone. So the second that I feel like I found someone who can be like a family for me, a close person who I can invest in and be attached to, the second they leave, I just feel the abandonment probably all over again. Right. Okay. Um, And it just totally makes me feel like I will never have the experience that other people had, probably.
0: That's really interesting. I can re- relate to that because I always used to think you know when i get a girlfriend or when i get it when i get this i will start to feel this and um we all both know that's wrong but i've spent a lot of, i've got divorced three or four years ago i spent a lot of time on my own last three years of dating and stuff like that and that's gone it's gone well but i've enjoyed for the first time in my life i've enjoyed time just to be on my, on my own and, and that kind of stuff and I've, I've reached a level of happiness and joy that i've never had before and that's wonderful and I, up until recently I've, I've always felt that i've never needed anyone to make me really happy but I've changed my mind recently because I feel that I've reached a certain point and now I'm, I'm so ready. I'm, I feel like I don't feel I can be really happy unless I unless I share my life with somebody. So I've kind of flipped that around. I want to get your lens on that in terms of the experiences you've gone through around. I think you can be happy in both, but I will surely the ultimate is to find somebody, but it's, that shouldn't be the be-all end of either. So it's difficult.
1: Yeah, no, literally I had the exact same experience because my whole life was focused on hyper-independence. I was like, I don't need anybody. And from like ages like 18 to 24, I was abstinent. I didn't, I dated some people, but like I was celibate the whole five years. I didn't have any, I didn't have a boyfriend or anything. So like I developed a lot of alone time, um, just in, at that young age where it's like, you think that you'd be out experimenting, whatever. And I just kept to myself. Um, and even now it's so like I'm 28 and just this last weekend, so like three days ago, I had this realization of because I was also a world traveler too. And my idea was like, oh, I'm going to see every country in the world. I'm going to do this and that. And like, freedom is my number one thing. And I was like, I can't, I just can't be with anybody. They're going to hold me down. They're going to hold me back. But recently coming into um, meeting someone and having this fulfillment that I've never had before, where it's like my freedom can meet partnership and having that be an eye opener of like, oh no, I actually don't need and want these other things but like i could have a family like maybe i could have children maybe i could could have this and not have it be like oh i need this as a codependent thing but like this is a part of me that i didn't know existed for me and it's a beautiful so i totally feel like the same way of like i know i do want a community i want someone to be a best friend i don't want to die alone like i always thought i did (laughs)
0: <laughs> how, how do we avoid repeating patterns like going for the same kind of relationship and being so for you being codependent how how do you what advice could you give people because i think what happened we are a product of our how we've managed how we're schooled how we are taught how we're parented right so we've got to unwire ourselves but i just think it, it takes years to do that doesn't it so
1: i don't think it takes years okay I just, I just disagree because I've trained people, um, on how to notice the patterns very quickly in a span of like 12 weeks. But the the truth is like, you have to know that no matter who you are, even if you're in a good relationship, you're operating off of patterns because your brain is like a computer. So whatever you learn in childhood becomes your template. And the brain is so efficient. It doesn't like just question itself. It's going to run on that same template until you hit a block. That's like, Oh, uh, this isn't working for me anymore. So even if you're in a good relationship. Observe the patterns, observe how you're fulfilled, how you're loved, what you don't like, what you do like. Um, yeah. And the truth is, you can work with a coach as much as you want and observe these yeah. patterns, but the true work does come within relationship because they're going to show you as a mirror, yes.
0: um,
1: like what is the thing you need to correct. And if you're in a toxic relationship right now, um, and I know that you've experienced this and I've experienced this too, if there's one unhealthy partner, there's two. You are Absolutely. not absolved of un- unhealthy behaviors just because your partner might be a narcissist. You, ha- you are a match to that. So yeah. don't, this isn't blaming um, ourselves, but it's yeah. taking responsibility.
0: 100% looking inward. I mean, I think, as you said, we both had toxic relationships and everything else. But I, up until recently, was always blaming the other person or pointing the finger. And a lot of that was justified. But then I thought, actually, what role did I play in that? Yes. And actually, when I, when I, even though I felt some of the stuff that happened to me was very unfair, I was still, I still had choices. I still, I, I maybe could have done things differently or done sooner or stood up to. Them. And I think some people, some people will ne- I think until you get to that level, I don't think you know, you're ever going to move on. Are you, really?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. And so this is, this is like, there's the path of discovery, right? It's like, First, you have to validate and understand that you're in a painful situation because I think a lot of people don't, right? Like we will gaslight ourselves, we'll ignore it and this is fine. And then you wake up and you're like, okay, this is not fine. And then you get into the blaming role, right? Like you, and you need that stage, right? Like this person did me wrong here, 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 and here. And it was so unfair. And then once you validated that pain, you can be like, okay, But what part of me called them to me, you know, like, what was how was I a match for a narcissist? I'm probably a people pleaser. I'm Mm, probably someone who doesn't have boundaries. I'm probably someone who doesn't have very high self esteem. Just like I, you know, um, there's a lot of quote unquote, nice guys, and they feel like all women are shit. And I'm just a nice guy. I'm a simple guy. I'll treat a woman like a queen, but you're not having boundaries you're giving everything to someone who is taking advantage of you and you're you're mm. blaming all women for that but really if you were in your power in your masculine you wouldn't be attracted to that person
0: i mean narcissists by the very nature some of the stuff they do and they say is is horrendous but what i've learned is it is like as you say a mirror they, they are almost teaching us and giving us gifts around actually some of the things they're saying might actually have an element of truth in it mate and actually explore that you know <laughs>
1: Well, it, you wouldn't be attracted to it if it didn't have a little bit of mm. what you needed. And that <laughs> is, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> healthy people are not attracted to narcissists because intuitively you can sense that something is off. You can sense that something is off as manipulated as someone is when you really trust yourself and you get in touch with your intuition, um, you will sense it and something, yeah. and you will say, stop, pause, like, take a look at this, mm. um,
0: Interesting. So, Self-awareness, never, never hurt anybody. It's accountability. And um, so talk to us about some of the poorest decisions you, you might've made in your life.
1: Ah, well, the poorest um, times in my life have been when I've ignored my intuition and my desires. So when I moved, I moved out of my small town, Wisconsin, two days after I graduated high school at 18 to oh. California. And I, at that point, my relationship that I'd moved out there with, like ended fairly quickly. And I was just listening to everybody else, you know, the old narrative of like, you've got to find a job to pay your bills. I wanted to be a singer and actress. Um, but I listened to what they said and I got the first job that I kind of could, which was working at Walmart as right. an overnight stalker in Anaheim, California. And I was there for two years and it was like the worst time period of my life because the whole time I had this little voice in my head that was, why are you here? Why are you doing this? You should just leave. Just don't go into work. Just go chase your dreams. Mm -hmm. And you think that you're just saying this, but it's really your intuition screaming at you. And because I was constantly ignoring it, I actually ended up developing a very um, strong eating disorder disguised as like a fitness thing. But really I was just like not eating. Um, And I got down to like 88 pounds and I like really almost killed myself. (laughs) I think, um, because i just wasn't trusting that i could figure out my own path Mm. so like then one day from the universe i got a um a call to go to this like audition it was in hollywood and um, i found someone who connected me to get a place there and in in hollywood and and from then on i said i'm never ever going against my intuition or the things that I don't want ever again, because this was a very hard two year lesson. And since then I mm. have just, I've quit jobs when I felt the time was right with no plan. And I, I've life I've done this like four times in my life and every single time it's worked out for me better. Um, and so like that, those are like the poorest decisions I think I've made. And I think anybody can make is, but I guess I needed it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think, I think, I think um, trusting your gut. I think that doesn't that come more so from we talk about relationships and the importance of relationships. I think the best relationship you can have is with yourself.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: First. So talk to us about that journey in terms of probably not even knowing how to love yourself, let, let alone get into loving yourself. How's that been for you?
1: Oh yeah! Oh, I love that you brought this up because I'm I'm really diving into this in a very delicious way right now. Because I used to think that feminine energy was weak, um, and so as a female thinking that feminine energy was weak, I was like, I'm gonna stay in my masculine because my feminine is weak. Like I love being the hustler and the business person and making money and and doing all this by myself. And then um, you know through coaching and everything, I realized that like it was all stemming from. You know, feeling like I I could be I could be weak and not loving myself and not honoring like who I am as a woman. So like for me, the self love journey um, grew beyond just like loving my body and and how I looked and things like that because I used to feel really ugly and negative about myself and I would talk to myself this way. So that was like the start of the journey. Is like I'm gonna I'm gonna love myself no matter what. Like I appreciate myself. But once I started accepting myself as a woman, and I think. When a lot of men will start accepting themselves as men, as strong, powerful men, whatever, you know, chaos or monster is inside or feminine feelings are inside, just fully accepting that. Um, Mm. You know, like the other weekend, I made a a Yoni sculpture with a group of women, like it was very empowering and just shedding shame. So like, I think that you really have to go through a journey of not just saying affirmations, like everybody says, like, oh, I love myself and everything I hate about myself. I'm going to say I love in the mirror but fully accepting um, yourself as a human, but yourself as a soul. Like who am I as a man? Who am I as a woman? And just, yeah. this is beautiful. I was created in Literally. divine perfection and I'm going to honor that for what it is.
0: I do that. I also, I also kind of parent myself. I, sometimes I don my, my dad hat for myself and I talk to my own inner child and kind of hug myself. Mm-hmm. I I've, I've, I've never had that. And I, think, I think sometimes you have to play our own parent, right? And also oh, our own critic and our own coach. We have to be different people for ourselves.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I talk to myself all the time.
0: I think it's if- the first the first line of sanity, not insanity. It's great to do that, right?
1: I think so, you know, because <laughs> like you said, sometimes you have to parent yourself. I will notice at times, like I'll get whiny or like I'll want something and I'll be like, okay, this is inner childly. So yeah. Yeah. throwing a fit and I'll be like hey what do you need like what do I need to give myself right now and or like if I'm going into into a negative spiral of like oh my god my business is falling apart or I'm not getting enough money and I'll be like Elise you know how can you transmute this energy right now like is this actually serving you because and that's like higher self going into human Elise like why aren't you trusting like what about this moment is not allowing you to feel safe and so I, I love that you do that as well
0: brilliant we're kind of coming towards the end this is fascinating i love i i, I dislike small talk i love conversations like this so like, i could yeah. honestly i say this to all my guests but with you i could talk to you but forever It's great um <laughs> moving on to more kind of more positive stuff um we talked about your darkness and the other stuff what about pr- your pride How, what's what's been your proudest moment would you say
1: um i i am very very proud that I have listened to my intuition for most of my life. And I did things my way because everybody wanted to go to college in my high school. And at a certain point, I was like printing off all these papers to apply. And I knew I didn't want to go because of what I wanted to go for. It just was seemed stupid. And, um, my counselor said, you know, college is right for a lot of people, but is it right for Elise? And I just said, no. And that was like the start of me just like doing things my way. And, now I've, and I've just, I've done odd jobs and I've done um, corporate jobs and I just, I start my business and I just, I'm so proud of myself that I put the blinders on to what the world is saying. And right. I just don't, I don't have any knowledge of that. And I just go with what my soul is because at the end of the day, I know that my life is so fulfilling to me. And Brilliant. I'm so proud of that because- Brilliant i don't need to live up to anybody's standard and i i hope that anybody listening to this can embody that because it's so powerful to feel proud of the life that you've built even if it's not up to the standard of everybody else's life
0: well it's the only person that standard that you should worry about is your own right um yeah. and everyone's is easier to say than do we, we get that um what about purpose this is the purpose that leads your podcast what is your purpose would you say
1: I don't know if you can put into work. I think everybody's purpose is honestly just to be authentically their own light, because Mm -hmm. I could say my purpose right now is helping men transcend trauma and pain, which is very true in a sense, but this purpose could change over time. And I don't know what my greatest legacy will be, and you don't know what your greatest legacy will be either. Um, But whatever you are doing in the moment that makes you feel alive and authentic I think that is your purpose and you just live yeah. it until it morphs into something else.
0: I agree with that. And it constantly evolves. I want, I want to go deep, a little bit deeper actually on that point, this okay. whole kind of like, improving men's lives and that kind of stuff. I want to know intrinsically why I know, I know that men chose you, you say that, but I, I, I think there's more to it. Did you, you think there's more to it? Cause it, it, Abs-
1: it? Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I, I feel like I suffered as a child due to the inability of my parents to understand Mm -hmm. And if I can help men become better fathers, then the children do not have to suffer. And then we change the whole entire next generation of how children are. I'm going to feel like I'm going to start crying. It's kind of like a redemption of my childhood, a redemption of your childhood to save the sons and daughters of the future. I don't really want to have children of my own, but Um, I feel very, very good the more men I can help knowing that their children are taken care of. It's really for the children.
0: Why I believe in something higher than us and the purpose, because what happened to you was horrific, but it was a gift because look what you're doing now to help everybody else. So if anything, it's, it's something to behold, I think. And it's, and, and, and you've, what I like about you is you've, you've, you've used that to, to transform into a positive. You haven't stuck in that victim pity state. And I think, you, you know, I think uh, you've got to take a lot of credit for that.
1: Well, thank you. And I believe that as souls, we choose it, right? Mm. We choose our parents. We choose the the outcome that we have. And some people might not agree with this because they've had very, very, very horrific childhoods. But as a soul, mm. your only intention is to expand. And so as you continue to evolve and you kind of yeah. zoom out from this perspective, you you have such a sense of gratitude. Like, thank you for being the catalyst for my soul's purpose on this on this round yeah. of earth.
0: But also, do you do you find it? uh challenging to i, I think there's, there's you can do that as your purpose but there's no reason why you can't you shouldn't mm-hmm. sacrifice your own joy for that as well and i think that's the, the next level
1: what do you mean you shouldn't sacrifice your own joy because
0: i think I think, I think sometimes we get so deep into our purpose because we feel as if we want to help other people and that's right but also we need to help ourselves on that journey as well and make sure we're, we're not you know it's so far into our purpose we're actually foregoing our own our own self-worth as well
1: well absolutely your purpose should stem from your joy like if you are not um living in your joy and your desire then you've derailed yourself your purpose cannot be truly fulfilled if you are not a fulfilled person i just don't believe it you're out of balance
0: totally so just a few more questions what what do you think women can do more of to help men in general
1: So this is like two part. I think women um, also need to do their part in doing their own personal work and self-development so that you can embody your divine feminine. Understand what it's like to be in your embodied feminine, not just survival masculine Mm -hmm. and not just um, like shadow feminine, which is like a victim mentality. I need someone to take care of me. I need someone to love me. I need men to step up, like always pointing the finger. Anytime we blame somebody else, we have a lot of work to do. So there's that part. The second part is like truly just on a logical standpoint, human side for men, um, be open to men being vulnerable, encourage vulnerability, create a safe space. Um, you know, check in on your guy friends, do not partner with the social norms and narratives that say grow some balls. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a little, you know, beep. Don't be, um, you know, like do not play into those when they happen you have to be the one to step in and say, no, that's actually not okay. You know, I support you for who you are. And, and also like, I know this is like probably too much of a digression for the end of this conversation, but there's a lot of shame around sexuality for both women and men, Mm -hmm. male performance. There's a lot of um, negativity around men's size. If it matters, like, you know, how they show up in the bedroom and we need to like eliminate those societal Mm. stigmas if we want to also feel safe in the bedroom i think it, a lot of those things yeah. stem from just our own insecurity and, and shame in the bedroom because if you feel totally comfortable you will not think about those things
0: oh, sure and in reverse what what can men do for women more of do you think do the work <laughs> yes
1: yes they they need to men the best thing that you can do for women is invest in yourself. And your own healing and self-development because we don't need any more advocates that are disengaged from their own emotional attunement we need people who can be present who can show up because the best thing you can do for the feminine is show up in your masculine mm-hmm. and when you're not in touch with your masculine you're just showing up in the feminine and that doesn't help anybody just pushes women more into the masculine which men do not like
0: I mean, this conversation has been fascinating. Thank you so much. Um, I would recommend any of my male friends and female friends to, to you for your coaching because it's 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 amazing. Before we before we go, what would you like to leave the audience with in terms of any kind of any advice, any kind of sort of passing words? Because it's a difficult time at the moment for everybody, right?
1: Yes. Well, I would like to say, you know, pleasure is your birthright. And that might seem like a foreign concept to a lot of people. But no matter what's going on in the world, you can always create your own island of joy and that will help change the world far more than being stressed out about all the negativity that's going around. So invest in your own personal joy, community and well-being, and you will see that there are so many lights at the end of the tunnel.
0: Fantastic. Absolute pleasure. Um, Where's the best place for people to find you? Is it LinkedIn? LinkedIn
1: linkedin instagram tiktok elise michaels m-i-c-h-e-a-l-s on all of them i'm here
0: i'm so excited to um watch your future journey an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you so much chris it was amazing thank
0: you The purpose led leadership podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at binsherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.